electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. So Biden administration over the weekend did not give Apple what it wanted for Christmas. The U.S. Trade Representative Office ended up not vetoing the International Trade Commission decision to ban Apple Watch sales here in the U.S. by the deadline yesterday. Ban is now in full effect starting today. And this all stems from a patent dispute of the blood oxygen sensor technology brought against Apple by this tech company called Massimo. Now, Apple says it is working to make changes to the Apple Watch so it doesn't violate those Massimo patents, and it hopes to start selling again soon. Also, just a few hours ago, filed an appeal asking for a stay on the ban until customs and border control can determine if patents are violated. That's supposed to happen by January 12th. But in the meantime, you cannot buy an Apple Watch. They're banned from selling the two latest models that just launched in September. That's the Series 9 and Ultra 2 here in the United States. The Apple Watch SE, that's the cheaper model that doesn't have that blood oxygen sensor. You can still go out and buy that. And third-party stores like Best Buy or Amazon and so forth, they can still sell their remaining inventory, but Apple cannot sell anything from its stores. Now look for the revenue impact here. Morgan Stanley analyst last week estimating less than 2% of Apple revenue will be affected by this ban, assuming it lasts through the entire March quarter. And Apple is going to miss about $135 million in sales for each week the ban continues. Now, that may not sound like a lot at Apple's scale of sales, but every little bit counts right now as Apple struggles to return to its top-line sales growth again after those four straight quarters of declining sales, guys. So I've been reading a little bit about this, mm-hmm. this saga with Massimo, and it goes back a decade. Uh, that in, there's been an Aaron Tilly at the journalist had some great coverage of this of this Apple effect where you know they are companies who develop promising technology. Apple reaches out to find more about yep. it. And Show me everything. To quote the article, yeah. they say that's often the kiss of death. Right. So they've cited a couple of different companies, AliveCore and, and what have you. But in Massimo's case, according to the CEO, Apple not only hired their chief, I think. Um, a couple it, of their executives. Couple of their, yeah. one, one of their CMOs. They also hired 30 different people over the years. They basically took what Massimo had. Uh, they could have acquired the company and maybe avoided what has now become uh, ongoing lawsuits that are. Uh, culminating in what we're seeing this yeah, week. Yeah, and we see a lot of smaller hardware companies complain about these exact practices. Apple, in this case, we've seen Amazon uh, get accused of doing this exact same thing. But yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Apple's kind of trying these last-ditch legal attempts to stop it and ban it or slow down the process. Not working so far. It hasn't worked all year. It's not working now. It is banned. And so what do they do? They have to fix their Apple Watches so it goes around these patents that could be done on the software level, there are a lot of people saying, no, that's not going to be enough. It's going to have to be done on a hardware fix. Mm. And so in the meantime, they just can't sell the watches here until they can prove that they don't violate these patents. There are plenty of folks out there who don't wear wearables now, but would wear wearables in the future, hands down. Yeah. If you could see things like blood pressure monitoring, glucose monitoring, blood oxygen monitoring, all of those health-related apps that go along with it to maintain kind of like this lifestyle around health, Is this a key for Apple going forward because of these watches 
because they could be that contact point, literally you and mean, figuratively. You mean specifically the O2 or just in general? No, just in general. Oh, yeah, anything, absolutely. Anything health-wise, oh. because that's what's going to propel. That's what makes this ecosystem exactly. very, very You're, you're exactly right. And that's also part of the argument they're, they're making here in these court filings and appeals and everything they've been filing. They quote medical professionals saying, you know, this could be a health hazard, not a health hazard, but, you know, it, it can have a negative impact on public health in a way because of all this modern technology. And to your point, blood pressure are some ideas they're kicking around. Uh, glucose and insulin uh, monitoring is another thing they're kicking around. That's, those are probably uh, you know, further off, but this is all part, a big piece of the puzzle. How does it end? I don't know. People aren't going to run out and buy these Massimo watches necessarily, but you can also see if Apple can't work around these patents, you can see a future where they have to cut some kind of licensing, licensing deal, deal for this yeah. technology. Yeah, sure. We've seen Apple do this with Qualcomm. We've seen them do it with Broadcom. When they fail to create their own technology, they have to pay these licensing and fees. And this has been going back and forth even today. Um, Massimo is saying that the ITC's decision on Apple's watch import ban marks a significant moment for the U.S. as a defender of innovation and a protector of inventors' rights. So a lot of other companies have folded earlier than hitting this yeah. juncture in, in fighting with Apple. Over the years, but it sounds like they're they're it went right to the top, on. and it, Apple still couldn't win it. So it looks like they're going to have to make some changes to the watch. All right, we'll move along to our next topic now. We'll talk some Intel, Steve, because they're getting billions of dollars to build a new chip factory. Uh, let's get to Christina Partsinevla. She's got the details at the Nasdaq, and we'll start there. Christina. Well, Intel's getting some help from Israel to the tune of $3.2 billion, and that's driving Intel stock higher right now and actually to lead the S&P 500. So Intel previously confirmed it would spend roughly $25 billion on expanding an advanced chip facility in Israel, and it's already started construction. But the new operations, which focus on advanced chip technology, will now get government help. And so that's helping propel the stock forward. It also represents one of many expansion initiatives for Intel. Last year, Intel said it would invest up to $100 billion to potentially build the world's largest chip-making complex in Ohio. Intel has also planned to build two plants in Germany, all with the aim of reestablishing Intel's manufacturing chip leadership. So according to TrendForce, Intel finally cracked the top 10 foundries by revenue. The top three spots are held by Taiwan Semi, Samsung Global Foundries, and then Intel comes in at number nine. And it's easiest for our viewers right now to think of Intel as two companies, a chip designer that competes with AMD NVIDIA, and then a chip manufacturer, a business is still growing, that aims to compete with TSMC Global Foundry Samsung. The Foundry business, like I said, is growing, and it generated roughly $311 million in revenue in Q3 smaller amount, but that's up 300% year over year. And Intel promises to break out its foundry financials separately. So it's really operating as uh, its own business in Q2 of next year, but no plans just yet to spin it off. And even though the company, and this is a contentious point for a lot of investors, has had a long history of manufacturing delays, it claims, it claims it's on track to deliver its promises and timelines of five new chip processes in four years, although some analysts are still skeptical Intel can actually follow through. Hmm. All right. <clears throat> Steve Kovac, what do you think? I've seen this game before with Intel. Um, you might remember the mobile era where they said, look, we're going to, you know, they missed the mobile wave. And they said they had a chance to be in the iPhone, by the way. You know, we're going to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. They never did it. And we saw the same thing with computer chips, Apple ditching them. Now they're saying the foundry doesn't mean they're not going to do it. And to Christina's point, they've hit some milestones, but it's always... You're prudent to have a little bit of skepticism with the claims Intel makes. And the way the stocks run up. Yeah. And it's not just that. Christina, one of the things that we want to look at is whether or not there's a shift at all. There's a rebalancing with regard to semiconductors because 
There has been so much attention that's been paid to artificial intelligence related headlines, artificial intelligence related business lines. Is there something to be said that some of those perhaps moves have not run their course, but maybe are due for a bit of a slowdown and that we could see other fundamental drivers in chips in 2024? Well, see, the chip cycle is so different. They operate each in their own ecosystem. So for Intel, the driver, you know, you had the PC recovery. So to your point, that's helping drive uh, Qualcomm and Intel higher this year. The second point where AI still plays a role for Intel is that this inferencing that's happening on servers. So that's the second part of the large language model. That's something that Intel is working on and trying to capitalize. And then the third point is the foundry business. And that's an area, too, that if this AI bubble you know, falls down over the next uh, year or so, the valuations come down, then that's an, it's an area where Intel can continue to grow, where it promises it's going to grow, and why we've seen some of the stock uh, climb higher this year. 92%. And, look at that. And that's the reason why we want to bring it up, Kelly, Steve, is because our last topic is about OpenAI's valuation, right? According to reports, the company is in talks to raise money at a valuation of at least $100 billion. That would make it the second most valuable U.S. startup behind only Elon Musk's SpaceX. OpenAI released ChatGPT only about a year ago, and now it's being valued at $100 billion, <laughs> which is more than many other very well-established tech Public titans companies. out there. Right, that yeah, are, that just, for, been... just for some context, Dom, when Uber on its IPO day, it was a $70 billion company. So, I mean, this is... Massive, but nothing's more Silicon Valley than a very low revenue company getting these massive sky high valuations. A hundred billion dollars. Sure. Why not? If, if someone's willing to invest at that valuation, that's what they're going to do. I will point out, though, there's a tender offer expected uh, next month in January, led by another investor group, Tiger Global. That's going to be at an $86 billion valuation. So you got to wonder what the employees are feeling. Hey, we got this $100 billion round coming. Uh, Why are we getting in on this $86 billion deal? The big question is, what do they do with this money? Okay, we're going to raise. We're at a $100 billion valuation. Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, kind of tweeted some, you know, nebulous things. But basically, chips, servers, the stuff is expensive to run. They need money. They always need more money. This is Silicon Valley. Raise, raise, raise. Higher valuation as long as you can chase it. Um, and that's what they're doing. And by the way, their competitors doing the same thing. Anthropic, probably one of the top uh, private companies right behind OpenAI. I think they're going for a $15 billion valuation. So what's the latest with OpenAI? The company has been strangely quiet <laughs> ever since its near the drama. breakup and the entire soap opera that nearly consumed it took place. Right now, business as usual, there's an investigation going on into all that drama that we went through a couple months ago about the, you know, the firing of Sam Altman, the rehiring, and so on and so forth, they're going to work through that. So we do know Microsoft gets a non-voting observer role on the board. Who that is, we still need to wait. But this investigation, they hired a big white shoe law firm to look into this, find out what happened, what really happened, maybe, and then move forward. Maybe that means a new structure at the company. I don't know how a nonprofit could be valued at But I love how they're billion. doing a $100 billion yeah, fundraise exactly. while lawyers investigate whether they need a new structure exactly. at the company. It's also crazy because all of this, it's the if you build it, they will come on. It's field of dreams all over and for right. technology. And Christina, you talked about the AI applications and how they're going to impact what's going to happen with the entire semiconductor business. But there's also a case to be made that many of these companies are going to use some of the capital that they can raise so that they can become less dependent on certain established microchip and server and data center type companies out there. Is there a concern right now that the competition is going to heat up 
not just among the established semiconductor names, but now they're going to be competing possibly against some of these well-funded startups as well. Of course, you'd be silly not to be concerned about the competition in the near future for NVIDIA, given so many companies, Amazon, Meta, Google, are all creating their own chips. Uh, to uh, OpenAI's point, Sam Altman has gone on Twitter before and complained about the shortage of GPUs, even though they do have you know tens of thousands of these actual chips in their use. So there's two reasons why you probably expect some of the money to go towards building their own chips. The first one has to do with the shortage. The second one has to do with the eye-watering costs that, again, Sam Altman has said on Twitter that uh, these chips are so expensive. And if OpenAI, if uh, putting in a query to ChatGPT costs four cents every query, according to Bernstein, that adds up, right? So, and especially for a company that ChatGPT, the half of their business is technically, you know, almost free. And then the other half is way more expensive and for developers and, uh, and the prices are coming down for that side of the business. So all of this leads to OpenAI possibly investing a lot more in chips, and this does lead to competition for the likes of NVIDIA and AMD, but that could be years out. Years. All right. Thank you both, Christina Partsinevelis and Steve Kovac. We appreciate your time today. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.